Yeah, look, I, I think it's really important to, to start with this issue, which uh, far from having anything to do with humanitarian aid, was by and large a, a, a big media slash political stunt um, that was trying to organise as part of this ongoing push to uh, remove the Nicolas Maduro government in Venezuela. Uh, this is not just something that I say, but this is something that, for instance, the United Nations has said, and hence why they refuse to participate uh, in the distribution of the of the aid. It's also what the Red Cross has said, who also refused to participate uh, in, in the distribution of, of the aid. Um, and it's also actually what quite a lot of the key US uh, officials involved in the in the stunt have said themselves. The whole purpose of this of the stunt was to try to, as they refer to it, um, create a humanitarian avalanche. Uh, their idea being that and they would they hope that through international pressure, uh, through internal mobilization of opposition supporters, uh, that they were going to have their kind of uh, collapse of the Berlin Wall moment uh, where uh, opposition activists would carry these uh, convoy of trucks of aid into the country. And essentially, you know, in the lead up to it, the whole purpose was to call on the, the military to uh, break uh, the constitutional order, uh, refuse to accept the orders from President Nicolas Maduro and instead to uh, come under the command of uh, the so-called interim president, uh, Juan, Juan Guaido, who uh, self-appointed himself to that position uh, a, a month prior to this on, on January 23. That was really what, what was their, their plan A for, for the events that took place on February 23, uh, was it their, their belief that the Venezuelan military would essentially just allow the, the convoys to enter in. Now, of course, the, the Venezuelan government and Venezuelan military were very clear on their position and their stance towards this humanitarian aid. They said that they had absolutely no problem whatsoever in the lead-up to, to February 23 for individuals to go across the border to pick up the aid and come across individually with, with their box of aid. Um, every day, tens of thousands of people cross the border between Venezuela and Colombia and Colombia and Venezuela, many of them carrying goods from one country to the other and from the other country back, back into to their original uh, country where they left from. So this is absolutely nothing new on, on this regards. But what they would not tolerate was what was, as I said, always from the beginning, a political stunt where the US had said uh, we will not discuss the entry of this aid uh, with the government of Nicolas Maduro. Uh, we will not allow uh, the Venezuelan military to uh, check uh, what's inside these convoys of trucks. And we could go into the history of how the US government has previously used so-called humanitarian aid uh, convoys and trucks and planes to smuggle in illegally weapons and, and whatnot. But that's perhaps a secondary point. The, the real point here is it was a question of, of national sovereignty. And so no case was this really just the Venezuelan government denying humanitarian aid, but the Venezuelan government doing what any other government uh, in, this, in this situation would do and say, look, we will not participate in this political stunt. And hence why the, on the February 22, the uh, Venezuelan government decided to close the borders between Venezuela and Colombia and Venezuela and Brazil in order to not allow this, this political stunt to go ahead. What instead occurred was, well, firstly, a, a very demonstrable failure of this so-called humanitarian avalanche by the opposition. Uh, and it was most graphically actually uh, illustrated by the, the big failure that was this sort of uh, uh, Richard Branson-inspired uh, so-called live aid concert held on the border in Colombia where Prior to the concert, they talked about you know hundreds of thousands participating, and in the end, you know really what you had was perhaps twenty to thirty thousand people uh, turning up for this you know concert of megastars from from all over the world. And I think really why 
they were unable to mobilise many people behind this push to get the aid into the country was because many people saw it as a political start and understood that behind this was a push for increasing confrontation, polarisation and conflict inside Venezuela. Uh, instead, once they were unable to achieve this so-called humanitarian avalanche, what we saw was the creation of images portrayed around the world of the so-called Venezuelan, uh, apparently Venezuelan National Guard, uh, setting fire to the trucks, although, of course, there's no footage of that actually occurring. Instead, what we hear is allegations that this was caused by tear gas canisters, although anyone who knows anything about tear gas canisters knows that it's extremely hard for a tear gas canister to, to set alight a, a truck in the way that those trucks were were burnt. But, you know, what the problem is in, in all of this, because it's a political stunt, because it's a media stunt, the truth, truth is the, the first casualty, and we don't really get to find out what, what has occurred. Instead, it's now... This, the, 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 the fact that the trucks were denied entry and that the one, one or two of them were set alight on the Colombian border is being used now to, to escalate the rhetoric. And that's most clearly been uh, demonstrated by the fact that on, on the night of February 23, uh, Juan Guaido uh, tweeted out to the world saying that, well, now the world has seen uh, what we face in Venezuela. And so all options now must be on the table for the international community to come and support us, which really can only be read as a, as a call or a request for, for military intervention uh, into Venezuela. So the next few days, of course, now will be decisive to see where, where it goes from them. Uh, already we've seen um, Colombian, Brazilian and US officials, uh, at least while not outrightly talking about a military option, certainly uh, uh, showing their support and agreement with Guaido's statements uh, in terms of the need for the international community to escalate its actions uh, in, in Venezuela. Um, and we'll see what what those what those mean when they um, when the Lima Group, uh, which is essentially the, the coalition of right wing governments in in the region, together with Canada um, and now the US, uh, will, will participate in these meetings on on Monday to discuss their next steps towards Venezuela. There are reports indicating that uh, some five protesters were killed at the Colombian border and two at the Brazilian border. It was alleged, according to at least uh, one report I read, that the incident at the Brazilian border involved uh, a phalanx of uh, Venezuelan troops uh, suppressing uh, an indigenous people's protest, uh, uh, supposedly uh, against the expansion of uh, mining in the area. Can you comment on, on that incident? Because I must say, without having done further research, it did strike me as, as black uh, propaganda and, and perhaps an example of how difficult it is for us to really ascertain precisely what is going on uh, on the ground in, in, in Venezuela, given that there no doubt is a huge cloud, uh, if you like, of, of black propaganda from, from the capitalist uh, your Western press that are, that are supporting uh, Guaido's coup attempt. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and, and it is very difficult to, to really be able to say with 100% certainty in many cases, what what has occurred in these incidents? So we'll start we'll start with the with the first with the the second one that you mentioned. What occurred on the Brazilian border? Now this actually occurred the day before the humanitarian aid was supposed to come in. So this occurred on on February 22. What we had there is that on on that border region is where the Pamon people or one of the areas where the Pamon people are based to essentially have kind of their own uh, semi-autonomy in that region and actually their community. Uh, stretches over the border in, into Brazil. Now, that community had previously expressed its support for the humanitarian aid uh, coming into the country. And what had occurred was that as a, as a busload of National Guard were heading down um, towards that border region as part of the, the, the policy of the National Government to, to shut down 
uh, that border um, and not allow the humanitarian aid to come in. Uh, there was a confrontation that occurred there. Uh, this, of course, then is where it becomes a bit more dangerous, to, a bit more difficult to ascertain exactly what, what occurred. One thing that should be said that certainly has been decisively proven to be false uh, was the claim that you know these were tanks rolling into the community. There, as I mentioned, these were troops that were being bussed in uh, to help uh, uh, consolidate that, that border zone or that you know, the roadway uh, coming in into Venezuela. Uh, at, there was a confrontation. Uh, there was uh, one person who died sort of shortly after that confrontation due to injuries that were uh, obtained. And I understand a second person uh, has also passed away as a result of the injuries in that, in that confrontation. Of course, there were injuries on both sides, um, but the, the deaths were both of um, members of the Pomon community, or certainly at least one. The, the second one, I haven't been able to get conclusive sort of information one way or the other of, of what occurred there. And there's also... Uh, disputed, dis, disputes about you know who, who was responsible for the firing. So of course uh, the opposition have claimed, and most of the media have 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 just said outright that it was uh, the national guard who fired upon uh, the protesters. Uh, whereas uh, the government is, as, uh, as argued that if one analyses the shells that were that were used uh, and one analyses a lot of the shells that were around, indicates that the national guard actually were, were restrained uh, in, in their in their behaviour, did not fire upon the protesters, and that obviously there were others. Uh, involved in there that for one reason or another, perhaps seeking uh, violence and, and death, uh, you know, were, were responsible for that. Um, as I said, it's impossible, you know, from this side of the world to be able to ascertain which, 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 which of those sides is true. But what we do know is that there's no interest from the media to actually go and investigate it. And one side is just reported as fact, uh, irrespective of, you know, what, what else may have occurred. In regards to the, what occurred on the Colombian border, I'm unaware of any, any deaths actually uh, that have occurred uh, on, on that border as a result of the activities of February 23. Uh, what we do know, though, is that there was various various confrontations that occurred, and, and many of them have been either deliberately misreported or just completely not reported uh, by the media. Uh, and I think perhaps the most graphic example of this was the, the case of three Venezuelan National Guard soldiers who uh, stole an armoured vehicle uh, as part of their desertion from the Venezuelan military, uh, rammed into the Colombian immigration borders in the process, essentially pummeling over a number of people who were gathered in that area, uh, almost killing uh, a Chilean journalist in the process. Um, and none of this, none of this was reported uh, because it didn't didn't fit in with with the with the media narrative uh, of who would be responsible uh, for these deaths. And one can only imagine, had it been actual Venezuelan soldiers who had almost killed a, a foreign journalist. Uh, in, in trying to stop the humanitarian aid coming in, the uproar that we would hear about this. But uh, in, in this scenario, we, we don't hear about it. It's just simply not reported because it, it doesn't fit into the overall narrative that the media is trying to paint as to what's occurring in, in Venezuela today. So that's, that's as much as I'd be able to sort of really uh, inform. And as I said, the, the, a lot of this stuff is disputed. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, the media is not playing the role that it should be playing of providing people with, with information. It's, it's impossible to, to imagine how there can be so many um, media outlets that were gathered on the Colombian-Venezuelan border, and yet not a single video has come out to sh show the moment when the tear gas canister set, supposedly set the humanitarian aid truck on fire. Uh, what we do have is footage, uh, quite, quite uh, easily obtainable footage of Opposition protesters throwing Molotov cocktails, uh, opposition protesters carrying uh, bottles of gasoline to, to set, set stuff on fire. Um, so at very minimum, 
that would be something you would think would be reported as, as a you know as, as a way of saying, well, look, this story is as yet unclear. Um, but none of, none of this really gets mentioned in the, in, the, in the media today. According to a McClatchy news agency report, Venezuelan authorities intercepted a Boeing 767 that was routed from a North Carolina-based uh, air freight company that uh, had some 100, uh, sorry, had some 19 assault uh, rifles, 118 ammunition cartridges, and 90 military-grade radio antenna on board. And it's alleged that this same uh, North Carolina-based air freight company has made 40 round trips. To from Miami to uh, air bases in Venezuela and Colombia since uh, January 11th, which is the day after Maduro was sworn in, or more or less synchronous with Guaido's uh, coup attempt. Can you shed any light on these uh, alleged arms shipments uh, from the United States uh, to Venezuela and what might that what that might say about, uh, as you mentioned earlier, possibility of a full-scale military intervention to back uh, Guaido's coup attempt, either an internal military intervention and, and possibly as well backed by external military intervention from the United States. Yeah, and, and again here, it's you know, we see the, the complete failure of the media to, to re- report on, on these kind of issues because it's certainly not, a, not an issue that's been given much sort of prominence at all uh, in, in, in the media. Um, so again, one is largely left to rely on what the Venezuelan government has to say about the event, which is, as you point out, you know, a, a plane load basically carrying, you know, illegal arms uh, into the country by from a registered U.S. company uh, was brought in. And, and this, again, is is not a new tactic. It's a tactic that uh, not just has been used throughout history uh, by previous U.S. administrations, but has literally been used by the very person who Donald Trump has assigned to head up his uh, mission in Venezuela, and that is his special envoy for Venezuela, Elliot Abrams, uh, who has a long and sordid history of involvement in sort of supplying arms uh, to, you know, essentially you know, right-wing you know, death squads in, in Central America uh, throughout the uh, the 80s. So this is, this is not a new tactic. It's something, in fact, that almost everyone is aware of because, I mean, Abrams himself was found guilty of being involved with the Iran-Contra scandal and has been on numerous cases, you know, been caught out for his involvement in, in the funding and, and supplying of weapons to these death squads. And yet somehow these same media outlets who, you know, have written about this and, you know, have it on record as what Abrams was responsible for, turn around and with a straight face claim that today Abrams is a nice man who's just bringing in humanitarian aid uh, in, into Venezuela. Uh, one can have their different opinions and express those different opinions about what is occurring in Venezuela, what, uh, what one's approach to the government of Nicolas Maduro may be. But the, the idea that somehow today Abrams represents uh, a, a shining light for, humani- for human rights, uh, given everything that everyone knows about his history and how we are seeing this replayed out in real time, you know, as you've mentioned, with this plane that's brought in the, the illegal arms. And it, and it doesn't stop there because it's been years now that the, the, the Venezuelan government has been denouncing the fact that Colombian paramilitaries have been infiltrating into Venezuela, that guns have been being smuggled across the border uh, through that way. We've seen uh, just prior to um, Juan Guaido and announcing himself as a president, as the interim president in January 23, there was an attack on military barracks where a number of guns and weapons were, were stole, stolen there um, by uh, deserters from, or ex ex-members of, of, of the military. You know, where, where does anyone think these guns are going to? No one goes and steals guns from a military barracks for the fun of it. Uh, no one's even raising the question of, you know, according now to the media, and again, this is very hard to ascertain how true or not this figure is, 
But uh, this morning I heard that they are now saying that 104 soldiers have deserted from the Venezuelan military. Now, that's a tiny figure when you consider that it's 200,000 in, in the Venezuelan military. Um, but no one's asking the question, well, if these people are deserting from the military... Obviously, they think that you know they don't have a support for their politics. You know, they don't. There's no support in the military for a Guaido coup government. But if they're deserting and taking their weapons with them, what do they think these people are going to do? You now have, on top of everything that you've already talked about, another hundred armed, trained military people. Uh, who? What are they going to do now that they're on the Colombian side of the border? Um, none of these basic questions are being being asked in, in the media. Instead, they're all being presented as these are these are the heroes that we should all be uh, um, we should all be talking up uh, today. And, it's, and the the reality is that all of this only only works to uh, basically stoke up greater confrontation and, and the, you know, increases the likelihood of some kind of, uh, you know, military outcome, whether that be uh, civil war, whether that be military coup, whether that be uh, military, military invasion by, by foreign powers. Um, and that this is really is the, the the end game of what the opposition is seeking. They're not seeking to find some kind of negotiated path out. Uh, they're not seeking to find some democratic way out. In fact, again, one thing that none of the media around the world reported was that last week, uh, just days before, uh, when Juan Guaido, who, if he was to be the interim president, uh, according to the constitution, has to call elections within 30 days. That 30 days ran out on February 23, so the humanitarian aid stuff was a good distraction from that. But days prior to that, Nicolas Maduro said, look, if you are the president, then call elections. Let's go to the ballot box and let the people decide. None of this gets reported because, of course, it doesn't help a narrative of when you're trying to portray a, a government as a dictatorship when they're openly calling on the opposition to participate in elections and the opposition are too busy calling on the world community to militarily intervene to overthrow the, 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 the current government. Um, so this, this is really the, the kind of situation we've, we face today, and it's a very dangerous situation that, that will have very, very, very broad ramifications beyond the borders of, of Venezuela. We've already seen it with the escalating tensions now with the breaking off of relationships with Colombia and the increasing tit-for-tat, you know, war of words with, with the Brazilian government as well.